Hello, welcome to the Clark Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Robinson, joined by Matt Kendrick this evening. And that funky intro music is far too positive for how we probably all feel this evening as Villa returned to European football with a rude awakening and a 3-2 defeat to Legia Warsaw. This is our live post-match reaction where we'll look through about half an hour this evening to talk through the biggest talking points from the game and a few little pieces around the edges as well. And we'll read some of your comments if we have time to get into them. Matt, how are you? I'm just thinking we did we did it as a pre-record, didn't we? On um after the the Palace match because my Wi-Fi wasn't great and I still you, even though you had a chance to edit it, I still came out with opinions that were completely at odds with what everybody else thought. Uh, so, but if my Wi-Fi goes down tonight, it's probably uh, uh probably an outage of people at uh, Booking.com going under as people cancel those those pre-booked trips to uh rooms in Athens. I think isn't it? Yeah, it's just that we waited so long, and I know we played Hibs, you know, in the that doesn't count. But this was Europe, wasn't it? Or it was, it was. It's not past tense. We know. Let's not get too, too too carried away. But this this was our our kind of grand return today, um, mm. and it just it just fell flat, didn't it? It was just I don't know. It's it's frustrating. And like I say, we come on and give it the the very quick kind of hot take, if you like. And I'm struggling to to quite quite comprehend mm. why we perhaps didn't didn't match the intensity of our. Uh, of our hosts tonight. Yeah, it feels like a very obvious analysis and something that should should have been taken into account. That I know John did his uh, bulletin episode either yesterday or this morning. And there was a quote from one of the Legia players saying that uh, you know that it's like a David versus Goliath and Villa have got to match our intensity and our application or, or whatever the, the the word for word quote was, and we didn't do that. And that feels like a, a very basic thing to not get right on your big you know first European away day you know to Europe properly. Um, and maybe someone identified this game away from home as probably one of the most difficult games in the group because of the atmosphere that's generated at the stadium. But the bare minimum of when you've got this kind of huge discrepancy between the two sides from a financial point of view, that you know, what the quote about Musa Giaba being worth 50 million and one of their players being 500,000 or whatever the figures were, the bare minimum you have to do is match the opposition for work rate and desire because they will have that in abundance to make up for, quote unquote, a lack of quality. Villa didn't do that. They look sloppy. They look lax. They look off it, off the pace. Um, and yeah, probably a wake up call, a rude awakening, whatever the the phrase is. That's probably the overarching feeling for most, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I don't know what three um, two on your big day out is in Polish, but I should imagine that um, you know that it seemed to be quite an atmosphere, didn't it? Uh, that that mm. they generated, but it's frustrating, isn't it? Because we've we we keep saying, you know, Emery's the master. Of European competition that doesn't change by him losing, you know, no. one one group game in in what will hopefully still will still recover to be a you know a good a good campaign in Europe this year. I, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't see that many goals to be honest. I th- but I thought you know probably probably my naivety and ignorance about the Polish football. I, I didn't think that. I thought we'd probably kind of almost you know our, our reserves would uh, ease to a, a fairly you know, uneventful 2-0 win, to be honest. So it's... Uh... No, I, I didn't feel like that at all. It was, it was strange. I think probably some underestimated how difficult the game was going to be. And I still, you know, I'm not making excuses here. Villa side still has enough quality to beat uh, Legia Warsaw and every team in the Conference League. Villa are one of the best teams in the competition. And as you've said, that hasn't changed just based off tonight. It's sort of very good side there. And, and hopefully this is the kick up the backside to kick into gear for the, the remainder of the competition. Uh, the bare minimum is Villa have got five games left in its competition. And if they keep performing a lot, they did tonight, it'll only be five games. So they've got to fix up and quickly. And I'll back them to do that. But 
the, the I haven't got it in front of me, and I wish I had. But their their record at home is excellent. I know it's in the, the Polish division and a couple of um, well, I imagine some European games from last season as well. I think they'd not won. 28 and drew two or whatever it was. They've been unbeaten for a long time anyway. So I never anticipated this to be a, a walk in the park for Villa with a reserve team. I think if Villa had played their strongest side, it, it might have been slightly different and Villa would have gone there and, and got the win. And we'll talk about the selection in a second. But I did feel like if we made too many changes from the start, this was going to be a lot more difficult than it had to be. I suppose team selection, you know, you, you've, you've, you've said if Villa were, were full strength, would we have gone and, and, and got the job done in a professional manner? So what was your... What was your kind of verdict when when you saw? I suppose we probably expected him to make half a dozen team, half half a dozen changes, or to change change half the team. Mm, yeah, I thought there might have been two or three. Uh, I thought Martinez would play because he's your best goalkeeper, and that that was a big part of it. What was it? Th- th- two changes in the defence: Longley and, and Chambers, which is a, a quite a big change. No Watkins, no Douglas Louise. Yeah, I, I, I would I would have gone stronger personally, and that's very easy to say, isn't it? When we've just lost the game, I think if we'd have gone stronger, we'd have. I'm not saying if we'd have gone stronger, we'd have just won because I don't think it's as simple as that. But I think we'd have had a, obviously a better chance. I think I would have I would have pro- have approached it in the same way that we approached the Hibs game, that you win the tie in the first leg. And I know it's different because it's a group game, but if you go there and if you're looking at Leisure Warsaw away as one of the difficult away games, if you go there and win or, or pick up a point you're already kind of ahead of yourself for, for the group already. Having said that, um, Zerinsky and Mostar, is it? They beat Alizade Altmar tonight after being 3-0 down. So you're going to see some you know pretty crazy results in, in the European group stages. And I don't expect many neutrals are now thinking that Zerinsky and Mostar are going to win the group after one game. So I also wouldn't expect people to write Villa off after after losing one game either. You know They're good enough on paper to win the next five games in the, in the competition, in, in the group stages. But as we've seen tonight, it isn't as simple as that. And I think as long as Villa can get the job done in their home games, they should still qualify. And I don't think there's a need for a huge meltdown yet after one game, but this kind of big fanfare of returning to Europe and the the hard work that we had at the back in the last season to get here, to have that kind of, you know, doused on by a night out in Poland is, is very underwhelming. It was nice to hear the, the little jingle, the little European jingle. Um, back so that that kind of I know it's not the same as the Champions League anthem but that that was that that showed that we were back but in terms of um in terms of the team selection I think this is going to be the dilemma that that we face in Europe Premier League mm-hmm. and the domestic cup competitions this year it's that reserve team or that those understudies looking at them in sheer quality experience what what they've done how do you keep them fit enough and sharp enough and hungry enough playing a handful of games rather than rather than regular games and I think we mm. saw that a little bit particularly you know probably harsh to, to single him out but I think he was at fault for a couple of the goals Callum Chambers you know if you if you see see him tracking back or, or not quite tracking back yeah. that second goal that's Jogging. what me at kind of Wally Rugby Club on five aside on a on a Sunday night. You can almost see him putting his hands up saying, Yeah, sorry, that's <laughs> that's me. I should have got there. And when when that's happening, you know, the first the first one as well, he hasn't stopped the cross. I know it's Luca Dean who's lost his man. But this is the danger with by their nature, your reserve players aren't gonna be as good or as sharp yeah. as as your first team players. And Listen, we can all be wise after the event, can't we? But I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was two or three changes too many. We should have got the points in the bag, and then, like I say, it gives us a head start in the group. 
you now look at it and go, well, we've made changes there, presumably thinking that we can go to Chelsea and get something and play our strongest side in the Premier League. Now, this is kind of harks back to the European game everyone talks about with O'Neill and, and Moscow, that you don't then back it up by winning games in the Premier League to secure top four. I'm not just saying that if we lose to Chelsea on Sunday, you go, oh, we threw the game against Warsaw and now we've lost to Chelsea as well. But we played a, a weaker side tonight and we'll play a stronger side in the league to go there and win the game. So if we don't do that, I think that will will annoy a few people. I don't want to get too downbeat about it, though, because I do think we'll still qualify and get through to the knockout stages. It's just we... There's a comment here, actually, from Adam. It says, Emery underestimated them. I'm not even sure it's that, to be honest. Did he overestimate <laughs> yeah, our maybe, understudies? Yeah. Possibly, I yeah. Don't know. I think that some of the forwards we've got, in terms of like the backup, if you want to call it that, like Bailey, Duran looks decent. Uh, Zaniolo obviously started against Palace, but you know, he might not start every week when Ramsey's now uh, back fit and playing again. So I think some of the forward, forward players, we do have good options, but the defenders that we have to rotate. I think if we're playing a, a defence of Longley, Chambers and Dean, or you know, three of those players are playing, I don't think we're going to win many games with those guys in the team. This is very on brand for me, but it reminded me of when I was covering Villa back when we lost to Rapid Vienna uh, under Kevin McDonald um, at Villa Park in the second leg. And I might have told this story on the podcast before, but I remember saying to, to Kevin McDonald in the press conference, either straight after the match or, or the following day, and uh, I think it was Habib Bay and Curtis Davis, if I remember rightly, who had, I wouldn't say had stinkers, but were, you know, weren't weren't great. And I think I said something like, um, uh, Kevin, some some people some people have been suggesting that you shouldn't have played so and so and so and so. And he looked at me and said, who are these people, Matt? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you've got me, it was me. I just imagine John having that conversation with Emery um, in Warsaw tonight. Um, but yeah, listen, we're, if we're the favourites in the competition, you would expect us to not get beaten in that match tonight. If we are the favourites, we should back ourselves to have a squad that can go and be competitive. Maybe that will influence his thinking in future rounds because we've got no margin for error now in this group. Yeah, well, yeah, we've got our first home game in the Conference League is Rincey Mostar, who are top of the group now. So that's not, I looked at as like the whipping boys of the group and you know, that still could happen. Um, but that first game at Villa Park in Europe, after we've now lost the first one, is a big game. So you would expect that you don't rotate in that game and you go strong and you make sure you win that because there's going to be massive expectation on us to do so. But you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here massively. Let's talk about some positives because there are a couple. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey's back that we've just mentioned, which is, is nice to see. Just talk through the, the goal first, Duran's goal. What did you make of that? I thought it was really positive play by Zaniolo, to be honest. The, yeah, the way he good. turned and, and drove towards goal, I thought he got hold of it pretty well. It was a good save. And then Duran... I don't know, he's my favourite at the moment, or one of them, possibly because he's scoring goals. Um, but he got like a kind of go-gadget neck, the way that he, he managed to readjust himself and, and generate the power and direction to, to get that in. And I thought then, as I did when we scored the, the second equaliser, <laughs> and I think it was said on the commentary as well, that, okay, you've <laughs> got a foothold back in the game, go and exert control. We've spoken before about Emery's... You know the, the the real pluses of Emery's management is that he likes team he likes his team to exert control on the game, but mm. we never really did have that. Uh, I think a lot of that has got to be given credit to the opposition. I thought that, that, that they approached it in a really uh, never tried to really bottle it up, did they? And think that they could they could sneak a kind of one nil win on the break against us. They they play quite in quite a brave way. Did you? I bet you do. I bet you. I bet you don't even remember him. Do you know Eric, Eric Bristow? I thought their their manager looked like a young Eric Bristow. 
you know I, I, I know of him yeah and the terrible reason I know why is because he was on I'm a celebrity once remember that of course yeah I thought he said yeah. he got a bit of a bristol about him but um just one of them, wasn't he? Just one of them. I actually think that I actually think that Durant goal is such a minor point now because we've we've lost the game. But maybe we'll look back at it and think, well, goal difference is important there. That at least we got the two back. Uh, I can't hope it doesn't come down to that. But I thought that Durant goal was a very good finish from Durant. Like very clever to to jump the way he did and control it and head it head it down in the way that he did. Uh, I've got to labour the point that's probably a, well, it is a minor now that we've lost the game. I think that's a really smart finish for for a nineteen year old, and you could very easily just see him miss time in the jump and you know hitting him in the face or something silly, and you think, oh, what a wasted chance that is, and he's reacted very well. I think that's a smart finish, and that I'm liking what I see from from Duran so far. The main topic of conversation is stop it defending, isn't it? We, we shot ourselves in the foot many, many times, and if if you're going to go to these tough European away games, you don't concede three goals, do you? Because you're asking for trouble. You, you, however, however good Villa might be going forward, and they are, because defensively is a problem when they when they rotate. Especially if you've got to score three plus goals to get something, you know, it's, it's already a very very difficult task. So, I think the key word that you've mentioned there is control, because that's something we've heard from Emery, particularly this season already. Villa weren't in control at any point during that game. We're always kind of chasing. We're always chasing our tails, and we're, we're trying to get back in the game. And nothing happened after the third goal. It felt like I'm probably overreacting a bit there, but they scored the third. It was like oh, we're behind again, and we we just really didn't do anything apart from the the Bailey chance at the last kick of the game, and, and Ramsey had a shot go wide didn't he as well. He probably should have done better with, but I put that down to rustiness from him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the defensive thing is is the issue, um, and I suppose it's hard hard to con- to gain control of a game when you're conceding goals at the rate at which Villa have in recent mm, weeks. Conceded early again. You know, yeah. That wasn't really. That wasn't really a feature of our kind of march up the table, if you like, last season. We're able to control games because we scored early and then mm. could almost use our plan A for the game. Um, yeah. I think, you know, in, in, in the same way that, that we said it was good that Villa showed the, the resilience and the mental toughness to come back from being behind on Saturday, they've done that again twice. You know, it's a bit, a bit of a mountain to climb if you if you try and get do it for, for a third time. I've seen um, some of John's, the videos that John's, put out today yeah. of some of the scenes around the city centre and stuff. And it looked like a brilliant trip, but it made me, on the commentary, I think one of the commentators said, oh, I'm sure Villa fans have, in, have enjoyed it regardless of the, uh, you know, regardless of the, the results. I thought, no, mate, you know, I'm sure probably enjoyed this afternoon, but I'm not, not sure they enjoyed this evening. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what some of the people who have gone over there think, because I suppose it's, you're still making memories and, and whatnot, but if the game pans out the way it does, I'm, I'm not enjoying myself, regardless of how good the rest of the trip has been. Football always ruins it, doesn't it, with these away trips? I went on a stag do to Warsaw once. And, um, Did you? Nice. I've got two abiding memories. One of them, you know, I wouldn't have said this if we'd have won the game, I'd have spoke more about football, but one of them was we have a tradition when my mates, my mates stag do, we find a local, local grocery store and we just cover each other in as much crap food stinking food as possible and we tried to cling film a, a wet fish to my mate mm. and he was so against it because he didn't want it like that to be his aroma for the rest of the weekend he nearly ran under a bus um so that was the one and the other one this it all involves near-death experiences actually the other one we went to like this shooting range in this indoor shooting shooting range there's just like this middle-aged kind of bloke fat bloke with a string vest on and we had ak-47s and I couldn't Jesus work Christ. out how to hold it. I had to, couldn't work out how to hold it. And I nearly kind of mowed down all my mates. And I just ended up kind of taking taking shots at the ceiling. It was it was brilliant. But um yeah, so 
Who's had the better time in Warsaw, eh? You Villa fan, <laughs> you travelling Villa fans. Comment earlier on, I've scrolled past now, said, you know, I, I thought Liverpool and Newcastle were supposed to be Villa's wake-up calls and now we're talking about another one. It does kind of feel a little bit like that, that, you know, how many more times are we just going to go, well, it's early season, you know, we'll, we'll let them off, we'll be better next time. You know, you can't, you can't keep saying that Villa do have to improve and quick and largely if Villa do keep getting results, these kind of things do get forgotten. If we beat Chelsea, for example, it's, it's not a huge deal. And if Villa still get through to the next round of the the, the competition by I know, winning four of the, the remaining five games and you know, everyone's happy and it's all good and, and no one's really bothered. But yeah, just on that showing tonight, it's it's just a disappointing return to Europe, isn't it? After after all the hype and all the expectation of of what we were expecting. But like I said, the bigger picture, five games to go. Villa have still got the quality to, to win you know, a handful of those and still get through. Just in t- terms of the, of the match action, did you think, I was going to ask you about the kind of couple of penalty shouts because there was one where Konza had a little tug on the shirt or gave a, gave a little shove to, to, to one of their guys. And there was one where um, Duran, I thought, was yeah. had, his, had his shirt pulled. And there was that, that tackle on Bailey as well, which... You know, it depends probably from a Villa bias. It looked like it, it probably somewhere between a yellow and a red to me, but I don't know what that is. Mm. What's that, an yeah. orange? It's one of those ones where you feel like you could probably think, I've seen them given on another day, and for whatever reason, they're not given today. And you, I don't know, I don't want to get too bogged down really in, in certain decisions. I think the Duran one should have been a penalty. The one I thought was interesting, the, the I think it was, yeah, it's for one of their goals that they were looking at three and offside, and they showed that the, the lines that he was onside, but it didn't deflect off one of our players. So it wouldn't have been offside anyway. I don't think he was offside anyway. I think it was level. So we probably, I suppose we probably could, could get bog, bogged down with him. Emery was fuming though, wasn't he? Is the is one of the other things I was going to mention. That, that clip of him from opposition fans as well going, oh, Emery's lost the plot and second season syndrome with Emery does well in one year and then the second season he gets found out, yada, yada, yada. And that that will be the narrative from, from, from others, of course. He was absolutely fuming though with whatever that piece of play was and I would kill to be a fly on the wall in that dressing room after that tonight. Yeah, he seemed like a kind of mafia don in The Godfather or something, actually having an absolute meltdown, didn't he? I think it was the third goal. <laughs> yeah, I think I suppose it's when, when your preparation is so meticulous and yeah. you give up give away cheap goals, you know, and you have got the this is this is his competition, isn't it? Or this is this is his stage. You know, he, he probably is in terms of English football, he is a, a man who's who's kind of after some kind of redemption. So he cares, you know. I don't think it's a sign that he's lost the plot. I think it's a sign that he's he's frustrated that when he thought his vision had, had, had evolved so much and his philosophy last season, that we're having setbacks with a, a squad that he's worked with now for six or eight months that we weren't having when he'd worked with them for six or eight days. So I think yeah. it's just mm-hmm. his frustration that, that that's coming to the coming to the boil. And um, yeah, I feel it with him. Should we talk about a couple of little bits around the edges from the gangs? So, uh, you know, we always say we're going to keep this half an hour. I think we can firmly say this will be half an hour under uh, the way we're going here. We've talked about the, the bulk of the gangs, to be honest, and we'll have a show, uh, I say later in the week, either tomorrow or, or Saturday, where uh, we'll be looking ahead to Chelsea with John and we'll obviously talk a bit more about um, this game if anyone cares, which I assume no one does. Um, the kits... We've spoken about this before, but it's highlighted even more so that when we're on TV and playing in a game where the, the temperature is a, a little bit warmer. First of all, the no sponsor actually looked good. I, I like that no sponsor. Martinez's shirt in particular, awful. The big pink sticker. You know, like a marathon runner when they just pin the number on <laughs> yeah. the front of it. It was like that. Yeah. Can I ask like you a question, Dan? One. Go on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, I, th- I think you're going to be too... How old are you? 
I'll be 28 in a couple of months. If I said to you, getting your Lifesavers badge at the local swimming baths, would that mm. mean anything to you? It, it rings a bell, yes. So were you? So when I was a kid, Christ. 60 <laughs> years ago, yeah, yeah. A long, a long time, tin baths and all that kind of stuff, yeah. <laughs> when, when I was a kid, you used to, um, you used to get your badges and your stripes, like 25 metres, 50 metres, whatever, and you used to get them sewn onto your trunks. One of the badges you used to get, and I don't know why they did it, but you had to wear your pyjamas and dive in the pool right, yeah. with a brick. And it was almost as if that's what <laughs> that's what Villa's kit, kits look like. I can't understand it. You know, is it yeah. is it the fabric? Are they being greased up Adama Traore style with Vaseline before the game or what? It's just it's a really horrible, cheap and nasty look. Yeah, there's a couple of comments saying, yes, pyjamas and bricks. This rings a bell to, to a few of the viewers, which is good to see. Yeah, I remember having to retrieve a brick going underwater, which I absolutely hated, but it was normal, just like swimming trunks or whatever. No, no pyjamas when I was at school. Probably changed the rules, didn't I, since then? It was a, a drowning risk or something. Rob, um, I've totally forgotten his name, and that's really bad because he's been on the show before. The kit man, Rob Warner. Sorry, Rob, if you're listening. I've seen him tweet about it a couple of times. And we've, we've said about trying to get him back onto the show to speak about this year's kits in a separate video away from uh, football chat. So for those that aren't interested in that, they don't have to listen. But the shirts are bad. It's just bad quality, isn't it? I've seen someone say that it's like uh, liquid, isn't the right word, but it wicks away the, the liquid from the player's body, the sweat, so it gets off the player's body. But if it sticks to the shirts and the shirts stick to the body, sure, that's as uncomfortable as just being sweaty. It just looks terrible and it must be horrible. So I'd be really interested to see what the cause of that is and if Villa can do anything about it. You know, this thing about, you know, Roger Federer when he played at Wimbledon, who was immaculate and he could have played five sets, three or four tie breaks or whatever, and he still wouldn't look like, you know, almost this just graceful. We look... <laughs> We look the exact opposite, you know what I mean? We look like your mum's tried to call you in, call you in for your tea. But, you know, mum, I'm fine. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. No, mum, I'm fine. I'm fine. It just looks a mess. Well, also, on the shirts very quickly, I saw this on social media, so this, this isn't my point. Um, obviously, Amy Martinez had that, the tape across here, those Villa's home shirts were just, they didn't have the sponsor on because of uh, gambling rules in Poland, apparently, which yeah, is fairly self-explanatory. And whether Villa could have done a nice gesture and put acorns on the front or a, a charitable foundation instead um, as a way of here's some exposure for that company on our big return for, to football rather than having nothing at all. But uh, yeah, football, football clubs doing nice things is probably not the uh, in thing of 2023, is it? So that's probably never going to happen. Yes, we always we always wish these things on our football clubs, but you know, it probably takes a little bit, uh, quite a lot of foresight to do it. The other thing I was wanted to talk to you about away from kits was just what you made of like the the TNT coverage and putting putting Savage on as the as the co commentator as well. Uh, yeah, you kind of ruined my uh, end of show outro note that I wrote down. And what's more disappointing this evening, losing in our first uh, first game to Europe, or finding out that Robbie Savage is the co commentator? It seems a bizarre decision. Uh, Ian Taylor was in the studio, wasn't he, with Joe Cole, which is a pretty strange matchup, but I thought Tails was decent, and I don't mind Joe Cole, to be fair. Yeah, the commentary was annoying. I think the they described the goal going in, or a couple of the goals going in, before we saw it on the pictures. Mm. I almost expected to hear my wife tell me off for leaving my leaving my plates all over the, the, the front room before she walked through the door. Um, it was like that one of those kind of, <laughs> kind of things. But it... Yeah, I like um, 
you know, Joe, Ian Taylor and Joe Cole, two two Aston Villa legends, right there um, <laughs> on the on the same sofa. But I thought I thought it was good. I mean, Towels Towels is the master diplomat, so it can be honest and critical in a very you know mm. without digging people out and throwing them under the bus kind of way. But because he's got that. West Midlands twang like the rest of us. Mm. You can you can sense the disappointment and frustration yeah. even when he's speaking quite eloquently. So yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I thought um yeah, Savage, you know, I think within the first five minutes said our oh, Villa fans won't won't want to hear this from me because I'm I'm a blue nose kind of I'm genuinely excited to be here. And then his commentator kind of dug him out and said, Yeah, but if you if you could see him, he's got a he's got a kind of Roy smile on his face at, at the moment kind of thing. <laughs> Um, I, I don't. I shouldn't be too harsh on TNT Sports in case Jeff Brazier is listening. Who was? Uh, I saw him interviewing Matty Cash and was doing some of the build-up. Possibly, I, did, I wasn't watching from the very start. I woke up this morning to a tweet from him saying, "Great listening to John Townley and Dan Ronaldson on the Clark Blue podcast. Great research for tonight." And I replied back saying, "That's not what I expected to see." And I thought after like, "Christ, poor bloke! If he's doing his research of our podcast, he could say something ridiculous tonight and, and think, well, I learned that off that podcast.'" So, Jeff, if you're listening, thank you for listening. And TNT Sports, great. Good job. Really, really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Never had a problem. I can't, yeah, exactly. I can't wait till the next match when he's, he's talking about kind of lifesaver badge swimming shirts and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, well, what a place to get your insight. Matt, thanks for joining me this evening, as always. There's loads of comments coming through, um, asking us questions and things for like future episodes. People saying, like, thoughts on the new Holt suite. This is not the time for us to get into that, but we will cover things like that in future episodes. Uh, me and John will be linking up again either tomorrow or Saturday to look ahead to Chelsea. Uh, and obviously, we'll be doing our post-match show for Chelsea on Sunday as well, before the Monday show on Monday, of course. So plenty of content coming up on Claret and Blue. Uh, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel if you've enjoyed this, um, and follow us and like the video on um, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts uh, it's all very much appreciated Matt thanks for joining me thanks everyone for watching along live and we'll see you again very very soon